I read Batman. Yeah. Hey, I'll bet I have something you don't have, Jeffrey. I mean, a lot of things. B- besides, like, a hole in the crotch area of all of my pants because they're so tight. But, right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, I did have that. My cover folds out. I did have wow. that. Does, does it show the whole picture in your... Uh, reprint there no your, it your ninth printing or whatever the oh fuck actually that it thing does is. oh god damn it <laughs> oh yeah so does so does this the trade all right well congratulations assholes we're even again i don't i think that i think we just did a big circle just for just in your mind i i just a guy who found a cover but you got excited and then you insulted us and now we're all on the same page again and just imagine that we were winnie the pooh and, and piglet following our own footprints around oh, the tree <laughs> gorgeous little pig Welcome to Batman in Quarantine, episode 75. This is issue number 10 of the second volume of Batman Incorporated by Grant Morrison. And in this volume, Chris Chris Burnham all over the place. And in the issue that I read, entirely Chris Burnham. Hey, Django. (laughs) <laughs> you know what's cool about my my volume <laughs> is that Burnham art is your little floppy have that? No, my floppy has uh, four various pages by Jason Masters and two various pages by Andre Bresson. Yeah, and Andre Bresson's are actually pretty awesome, but not no Chris Burnham. Sorry. Well, you know, I actually, you know, before we get into it, I I looked at the Bresson <laughs> and Burnham side by side, and unlike Masters, where it does, I feel like I feel like you hit the nail on the head with. It, it, he seems to draw the moments between the action. You don't see any mm-hmm. fists breaking skulls with masters. The uh, the other artist, it looks like, is nearly following the exact drawing that Burnham ended up doing. Really? Uh, yeah. I wonder if Burnham did his or he did Burnham. I, I wonder if Burnham did storyboards. Yeah. Um, and, and then the other people uh, just followed that. Because this one you'll find, as I send it to you right now, is it, surprisingly similar to what the actual thing looks like. Cool. Um, and as always, I'm Jeff. I'm Django. I'm Roman. Guys, I was thinking, actually, I was talking to wonderful, one wonder of the show, Watts, uh, Will Elmer yesterday. And <laughs> I was just trying to think of like, when this show is over in just like two episodes, it would be fun to do an episode after it's all done, like a kind of retrospective, favorite moments, favorite issues. But I thought it would be really cool. I'm going to pose this right now. Um, if you're in, if you as a listener are interested in joining in on that, it would be cool if we booked like an hour slot for Zoom. We could send some invitations out, and maybe in ten minute intervals, people could be booked at a time. Come in, say hi, talk a little about it. Awesome. Anyone who's been listening to this show, the Chris's, like you know, anyone um, will seem interested in it. Andrew, but like anybody who sent emails, anybody who's been listening. It would maybe be cool just uh, if you want to be a part of it and we could have people drop in on a Zoom call. If you've got a mic or if you've got like headphones with a mic and you've got the ability to Zoom on a Thursday, uh, drop an email to Jeff at the Comics Place and just say you're interested. And we'll I'll start the process of trying to figure out how to get that done. But I thought it'd be cool to get some of the listeners included on the very final retrospective. Yeah, I like that. 
And then can we do a retrospective of the podcast as well? I think we should do first. I think we should do a retrospective of the retrospective and just sort yeah, of yeah. say like, here's the work that went into organizing that. And do you, you know, like a kind of behind the scenes moment? Good call. Yeah. Good call. <laughs> and then the retrospective it. of the podcast. Absolutely. Like we're going to be done and we're going to feel sad, lonely, and naked, which is how I feel actually every single day of my life that's that isn't that the name of our next podcast sad lonely and naked <laughs> yep yeah and covered well, in it, honey <laughs> that's just life but uh, that, that's uh that's birth and death right there naked mm. and screaming and covered in blood and honey <laughs> naked and covered in blood and honey um is for some reason i think i'm pretty into isn't there uh, a grunge band called blood and honey oh i think so i think it was blood and honey naked blood honey <laughs> gosh that was the other podcast where we started talking about Pacific Northwest music scenes. Um, let's let's get into this one here. This issue started in a weird spot. This issue reminded me how little context I had for the grand scope of who Batman was and Batman continuity uh, when I originally read this. Things like Azrael, the Suit of Sorrows, um, just some larger context for characters that I obviously made it easy for me to sort of miss things at the time or like you know um kathy kane i'm interested in the first time i was reading this i had no idea what this spiral organization was all about and now reading it in hindsight it, it feels kind of telegraphed and i'm anyway just uh, my continuity my head I, I get way more now i think the just kind of the um pacing of certain reveals in this would have made it really hard to to see the, the larger shape of the story. You know, like even, even in this, we're 10 issues into this run and eight of them have happened over the course of 36 hours or whatever. Like Damien got, got, got buried last issue less than a day after he was killed, right? He had to been the next day, yeah. Yeah, so like the whole, this is a weird pace for the story um, to, to really track this stuff unless you're reading it in a in a compendium like you are we are yeah, yeah i, I mean think, yeah I think that's why i think that's why i forgot so much of the story it's just because of reading the original issues a month apart i think it was easy to forget issues i mean i think because you know as i was reading this one specifically i was thinking like the this volume has been so tight like it's very it's like threading like we've got like a map of the hours of a 36 hour period, you know, all of these moments are kind of clearly mm -hmm. defined by it. Whereas the others weren't. And I think when you have something that takes place over that small of a time, but you're engaging it and engaging with it, like over a year, like this is a 12 issue volume two is yeah. 12 issues. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a long day. So it's, <laughs> it's pretty, it's very tight, but yeah, I think that that doesn't make it super conducive to sort of remembering all the nuances of the, the moments that have happened. Yeah, even this issue, the, the opening with um, where we see Michael Lane, I had to look up who that was because I'd, I'd forgotten that he was the one of the three Batman. The, the, even now, I can't remember which Batman he was. I think he was the third Batman, Bat of the, you know, in the, the Ghost of Batman, but he became the second Azrael. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So this guy is the guy that at the beginning of the, I didn't realize that Roman. So this guy is at the beginning when we have the ghosts of Batman arc, where there's the big Bane one and the cop and the third one, 
has like the mask and i think or maybe yeah. the first one but one of them was like a thomas lane you're right hmm. yeah that's and yeah i guess that's this guy which i didn't know until i read doc locks right up it says his name is michael maybe michael lane i would believe that yeah yeah you're, I was th- a you're thinking of thomas wayne <laughs> <laughs> i was a little bit confused because i didn't know that there was a second asriel um to ha- so to have this guy who's clearly not you know aryan blonde john paul valley um i i just kind of had to roll with it i guess but it no, does other asriel hearing yeah. that from roman totally makes sense because that lane character i believe was the one that like was sort of working for the devil in the future of that original 666 issue um like remember like he comes up out of the pool in a crucifixion pose and uh like he was working for hurt or the devil at that point and it so it makes sense that this person would have some relationship with prophecy or his drawing on the wall has the flaming Batman from that world, because in that possible future, he was there. So that didn't, I didn't realize that before, but that connection kind of makes his presence here and his relationship to these prophecies, because he's quoting Nostradamus and stuff. All of that makes it a little bit more internally consistent. Yeah. So he's, so he, so I guess he became the second Azrael as a form of redemption for mm-hmm. working for hurt and all that and that must have happened in some other bat title it did in fact i remember before i worked at the store coming in and seeing you roman and like going through our old comic shop instead of having like racks had these wooden handmade trays <laughs> that like lined the walls and books all sat in them which is a cool <laughs> idea um hard I to get some the- some days I do. Hard to get to the bottom. I think now we have to be a little bit more concerned with the condition of our comics because so many of them are getting mm-hmm. sent out and stuff. But back then, it was just sort of, oh, well, there's a whole history of the comics place. But uh, <laughs> previous owners, RIP, love you, didn't need to worry so much about the condition of comics. So they would sit in these stacks. But I do remember going through and find there was a Batman annual that had Azrael on the cover. And th- so there was, a, there was an arc that was happening a- around the Batman and Robin time where Azrael... I even think, you know, when we do our bat- battle for the cowl story, which we've been talking about this entire podcast, we'll do as a re- I think that maybe that guy was even in the running for a pot, like maybe was going to be the, a possible Batman um, before Dick Grayson was decided. I think. Like, he- oh, wow. One of my favorite things in this scene is him pointing out to Batman that his prophecy could be interpreted in different ways. It's like, we're all your sons, Batman. Any one of us could end the world or save it. And that's that's kind of, I mean, it's, su- it's such an old trope of prophecies where they set you up to believe one thing. And then due to a technicality, uh, the part of Batman's son is going to be played by this Asriel character rather than Damien or, you know, whatever it is. Um, I love that. No, I, I totally agree. I love that. Because that line of dialogue hung me up for a second. He says, like, I lost someone very close, very dear to me. I saw a vision, too, of Gotham and flames, of two graves. I lay near death in a cave and saw the end of the world at the hands of my own son. So we saw this 666 issue in the fire and, you know, Damien was there. But we also know that Batman went to the far future and saw the world and there were two graves. He's, like That's the, the framing device of this last volume here. And we do, the city is in fire as all these kids are burning it down. And his son 
fatherless is as much his son as Damien was. Mm -hmm. And he's the one kind of doing all this. So like all of those verbal aspects of that um, prophecy vision thing have become true but like the unreliable narrator thing of the, the hellish vision of the original thing is he's conflating these two things. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's interesting and gratifying. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was cool seeing the suit of sorrows again. When was the last, like, what is the origin of the suit of sorrows? Does anybody know? I, Oh, I don't remember the origin. I think it's just, I just think of it as the original Azrael's mystic suit. Um, and, it, it has some kind of like protects the wearer from harm and, is that what Batman put on in the resurrection of Ra's al Ghul? I kind of feel like Justin had said that. Like, remember, he puts on the kind of medieval looking suit in the climax of resurrection of Ra's al Ghul, which is maybe why he didn't die when he fell into that water. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, I think he does put on the suit of sorrows specifically. And because I, I remember Justin saying like, yeah, it comes back up at the end. And I didn't know what that meant, but. Cliff notes of this issue is, yeah, Batman gathers some items to make sure he'll have a fighting chance against Fatherless and Talia in the, in the final climax of this. So he gathers the suit of sorrow. He gathers this crazy mechanical suit that hurts the wearer. But if Batman's wearing the suit of sorrows, it can't hurt him. He gets a man bat potion to become a man bat to go fight them. And it kind of ends with him arriving at the, the final fight. But Holy cow. Yeah, I didn't. I just read this issue and I didn't, I didn't put all that together that he was assembling his basically assembling his Batman incorporated team on himself. <laughs> yeah. And kind of, you know, almost like in, I guess not quite Indiana Jones, but like this weird group of items that all work together in a certain way to fulfill, yeah. like, Oh, this, this big mechanical suit destroys the user. But if I'm wearing the suit of sorrows and it protects me from danger, I'll be able to be wearing the suit that damages me. And I become a man bat and fly up there because I can't get through the building to get up top. And then I love I love the through line of the the man bats yeah. in this story. Just like Graham Morrison likes some man bat. <laughs> well, and even back to that original arc, right? With like mm -hmm. the man bat showing up from Talia and Langstrom feels guilty and starts working on a cure for it, right? Yeah. And it was it was issue one of of the Morrison story, right? Yeah, that first three issue arc deals with the man bat showing up and Talia yeah. and everything. So it's, it is, I, I thought that as well. Like, I love that he kind of took, he's like, well, I'm nearing the end. I, I wonder how much of that was planned out or how much was just sort of like, I can reference the beginning here. And every mm -hmm. end is better when it kind of references the beginning, I feel. Did anybody else try to play out that chess game? I still don't know how to play chess. Oh, no, yeah, neither do I. I did. <laughs> I do. And I did. And... I think, I think something's trying to be said here, but it doesn't quite make sense to me. Outside of the Dark Knight, which is Batman taking down the Red Queen, which is Talia. Yeah, like that's actually the king, isn't it? Th that would make sense because the, the if if the king was taken down, um, it would be checkmate. <clears throat> but I feel like Talia is the Red Queen. Yeah, she is. But yeah, I I couldn't remember my chess pieces as if that piece is the queen or the king or is the it's queen the one with the cross on top of her head well now but, you guys have me doubting myself because i think that that was i think that he took the king rather than the queen no no check this out if you look at the panel where he is standing and looking at the mountains there and you look at the board which is on the left mm -hmm. the knight is two spaces in front of the king 
and therefore couldn't take the king by movement, but the queen is two spaces behind it and to the right one, which means mm -hmm. that is a natural movement of the knight. So the knight could take the queen there. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. I had my king and queen backwards. Well, they look ambiguous. I thought the same thing. I wasn't sure if it was the king or the queen outside of assuming it was the queen because she's a red queen. Yeah. Okay, good. Good. Never mind. Forget I said anything. No, I love it. Chess. I'm not I, as smart as I think. I'm just kidding. I actually do like like chess a little bit. It's just been a long time since I played. I thought about trying to that image. My thought was like, if I could somehow put that board into words, I bet that that is like a queen's gambit or some classic uh, chess move, right? Because like everything in chess sort of boils down to these um, primary things. So I was thinking like, I bet this is the blueprint for some sort of classical move that people find themselves in. But I couldn't think of how I would word yeah. that. We get the crazy shot of a bunch of cops beating up the light, taking down our bat signal, which is always a bummer. But yeah, that's you only, know, yeah, sorry. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I just, it's funny. That's the one thing in the issue that nagged at me because, I mean, I'll talk about capitalism in a bit, but um, that scene, I was like, oh, I know it's traumatically symbolic, but what a waste. Just change the lens and use it for <laughs> something else. I mean, come on. You guys are worried want, about. We just budget. want Gordon to feel bad. Yeah. yeah. It's like, man, that Leviathan's nasty. Police my, budgets don't can't replace a big old light like that. My thought was like, okay, we've got another like Bruce on the run story, right? Like, isn't James Tynion borrowing that right now with just like, <laughs> oh, Batman's on the run. But even like Greg Rucka had like Bruce Wayne fugitive. Like, it's just, it's oh, uh, yeah. like, this is a, it's, it's a dark night right now or the dark detective in future state right now is Bruce yeah. on the run too. Like, yeah. And that's know. how I guess dark night ended as a movie. Um, the, uh, the part of the destruction of the city that I love the most or the, the tearing down of Batman was all of the people repelling down the side of the building to put up a, a two, three, four story Batman bonded poster. Yeah. That's awesome. Banksy's take at taking down Batman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering about that building. So I was like, what kind of apartment building has like only two rows of, of windows and then this big blank space to put <laughs> to put a giant poster on. That's where all the all the bathrooms are. These enormous wall length <laughs> bathrooms are. There's no windows. A lot of elevators in that place. You know what I loved about that was like looking at the pages and I was like, one, two, three, four, five, six. There's eight different strips of it coming down, but each person is propelling down the building and has a string that is at the center of each of those strips. So the eight page strips actually look like 16 strips. And I was like, what is the form? I was like, oh, wait, no, that's just the detail of them repelling down. Like, it's just yeah. a great visually, like that tells a story. The art mm -hmm. itself is telling this story of how someone would put these up without any storytelling going on, you know, with Batman. Anyway, it's just a great, yeah. it's a great usage of what we've beaten to death, which is Burnham gives life to everything in the background. And yeah. there is causality for everything. And I just, I really love that. Yeah, it's really cool. Really cool. So that next page is Batman talking to Lucius Fox, you know, probably because Alfred's been let go or at least put on sabbatical for a bit. We see the, the photonic crystal from the original first issue of Batman Inc. that oh, they get yeah. from Dr. Sivana that I think had given some like invisibility yeah. powers. So I don't know if that's going to come up again. And then we have a conversation about the wasted money on the Bat robots. And then Batman finds the crazy damaging, just like 
evil hellish bondage suit. I don't know who on earth thought that was a good idea for a suit because it feels like there's <laughs> just needles and metal pushing into your body if you're wearing it. It looks so cool. It, it is. That's the cool, this awesome exoskeleton. Yeah. That, and the, that I like get. The, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. The padding looks like something out of uh, the Faust comic, you know, like, like <laughs> the insides of somebody's uh, liver or something. And your belly's exposed, but there's a cod piece <laughs> still. <laughs> hey, Roman, I'm curious if the statement you had about capitalism uh, falls into play in this double page spread since finances are such a part of this conversation that happens. Yeah, yeah. Just an example of <clears throat> kind of, I mean, at the beginning of this whole thing with Bruce's idea about Batman Incorporated. It's like, okay, well, you can use capitalist methods to achieve some good stuff. But here at the end, it breaks down into, again, failures of capitalism. You know, these two billionaires with their corporations, you know, Wayne's and, and Talia's Leviathan. They're basically corporations. And both of them, just the waste and the waste of the worker. I mean, I mean, you could see the bat robots. There's this great panel where Lucius and Bruce are standing amongst these big huge dumpsters just of broken bat robots and how much money which bruce didn't even realize how much money has been spent on these things that were originally supposed to be like in people's homes as like a, a servant robot instead he turned them to to war machines so yeah it was just the failures of capitalism same thing with talia on the next page you know punishing the the expendable workers for something that her son did, but her son is still, mm. you know, of worth, of value. So instead, you okay, you kill the workers and replace them because they're, you know, they're just. That's expendable. a <laughs> really great um, thematic tie between these two scenes that I considered separate. Like, well, here's Batman finding the suit, and then we've got Talia punching these. But you're right, there's this direct thematic or moral tie that's being discussed there about basically, yeah, the 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 worker that can be thrown aside. I. You know, at the beginning of this, we were starting, or Justin and I, I think maybe particularly, were kind of a little turned off to the hubris of Bruce Wayne as a billionaire that seems to be in, a part of Batman Incorporated. Like, I've got the money, I'm just going to go. It felt a little like not the side of the 99 versus 1% that I wanted Batman to be on. But I'm glad that at this point, it seems like he is intentionally trying to be like, there was an attempt, but it's a failure for these reasons. Um, it, it, it doesn't feel like it feels like we're learning a lesson or Bruce is learning a lesson, which is important and not actually this kind of overly confident uh, endorsement for being rich. Yeah. Yeah. Um, question yeah. about, oh, sorry, Roman, please, please. No, no, go ahead. Well, I was going to say question? on the page where you have the people um, getting their shit wrecked by fatherless and they're killing the, the workers, um, you know, Django's observation about Burnham drawing in, the action scenes has caused me to always kind of try and predict which pages are the fill and art pages since I'm not reading the fill and art stuff. And I'm curious if that page of fatherless just wrecking shit is Burnham or not in your guys's version, because fatherless stomps on someone's head and the teeth are coming out of their mouth and there's like blood all over and it's, it's gorgeous, but it's almost to a T almost to a tooth. <laughs> yeah, um, that, that one is a fill in page that, and then the next three are fill-in pages here and and oh it is i didn't realize because i thought the faces looked like burnham's but i think i've got the same page Django just showed um i'm gonna i'm gonna send just this 
two gorgeous panels from that page over to you guys because it the the shot of the fit the foot crushing the person's head is almost exactly the same you can tell that it's the same storyboard but the panel above it has a, a pretty glor- glorious shot of uh fatherless wrecking some shit yeah yeah it the, the i thought that the fill-in art in this one was actually a, a pretty good approximation of what somebody might think chris burnham looked like if they had a dream about his art once and forgot most of it <laughs> like a like a prophecy of the future and you've been (laughs) to the end of time it's pretty good like it's not distractingly unburnum no i it you know looking back and having done this podcast and kind of doing the amount of comparison that we've done the fill-in art is obviously a tier below burnum to me but it it is way more serviceable this time around than i felt when it was coming out monthly like waiting all month and then having four not Burnham pages six yeah this one is six six um felt way more of a betrayal when I was waiting a month between issues than it does now yeah wow so yeah I've got the fill-in art which I didn't realize um man the 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 looks on those guys' faces is fatherless uh squishes their heads because in the fill-in art you don't see their faces you don't see their expression in their eyes and I'm wondering, the panel before that, does it show ta- uh, Fatherless standing behind Talia doing the same cupping his fist just like yep. Damien always did? That, oh, but I forgot that that's what oh, Damien yeah. always did. Even the cover of Batman and, Corp- or Batman and Robin number one, that's yeah. a great yeah. catch, Roman. Which, which is a nod to Burt Ward in the Batman TV show. The, yep. the topmost panel on this page, as drawn by Burnham, um, really is just the henchmen. And their faces are hilariously Burnham. I'll send that one over to you guys as well right now. Um, uh, but just really, really good. On the following page, uh, which starts with the mayor. Oh, wow. Incredibly different page. You guys are going to like the Burnham one much more. Um, so here's the first. This Here's the sh- shot of the mayor um, talking to Talia. Th- that, that page seemed actually quite a bit different than... Um, than the previous two, which in general seem to be storyboarded exactly the same, but this one actually is quite a bit different. But um, yeah, I just love this scene of the mayor talking to Talia in the final pages. He's just like addled on Coke, drinking coffee, freaking out. His eyes are bulging out of his skull, talking on the phone to Talia. She's, you know, making further demands and uh, Gordon is storming through the police uh, headquarters, which is, you know, rad, but yeah, just a uh, wow. <laughs> pretty pretty yeah. different image right very different even the i mean even on burnham's pages and i've got the fill-ins in the trade um even the background the windows that they're just uh window windows in the background of the fill-in art but burnham has them um with closed closed blinds for that film noir effect <laughs> burnham's is just so much more paranoid like yeah. the, the mayor is like scared of what's going to happen next with Leviathan. The other one, the fill-in art, he's like, I don't know, he's a little bit blustery. You know, he's, he's yeah. like, no more demands, Leviathan. And and the Burnham one looks like, no more demands, Leviathan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, the, yeah, the fill-in art, there's not even a cup of coffee anywhere nearby. I mean, yeah, no, no blood vessels in the eyeballs. Like. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think the point is, if you are reading this in issues, which is totally awesome, and I, I would, you know, I would be pretty happy to have a short box of comics that is the issue version of this entire run this is one of Mm -hmm. you know very few runs i would want that 
But if you are reading on issues, do seek out these, either the absolute edition or the omnibus just to look at, because it really does, I think, change the fluidity of the storytelling um, in, in terms of reading it all in one sitting or at, as we're doing a week apart. Cause like, I think a, a bit more emotion is conveyed or a little bit of like the paranoid or the motives of the people that are on the page are a little bit more present. I, I just felt pretty uninformed my original read through of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like on that same page, I really like, I really like what the story does by like just showing again, Leviathan's reach all the way down into the gasoline supplier for the police like that's amazing. Yeah. That's that's yeah. an amazing like tentacle that you could like if you controlled everything what could you do? Well, we can shut the police down well whatever day we want. When when Gordon says at the bottom of the page they're shutting down the city's nervous system, blocking its circulation, they're killing us. What exactly does that mean? I think I think just that they're they're making it like the if if your gasoline supply is bad nobody can go anywhere like you your your circulation is is cut off you can't get people to where they need to be so he's i didn't know if he was considering him like does he consider the police force gotham city's nervous system or is the ability to be mobile their nervous system and and is when he says they're killing us is that gotham or is that the police force specific i was just having a little bit of yeah please uh, yeah, well, I think it's got, he's talking about Gotham in general because yeah, I mean, Leviathan is can is controlling all the systems of a city. You know, the cops that they can probably, if they wanted to, you know, alter the water supply. You know, do whatever they want. Yeah, and, and a couple panels earlier, he he says somebody has to keep this damn city from convulsing to death. So I think he's just continuing that metaphor. Okay, of the the city kind of. In, in its death throes almost because of yeah okay okay that's a great that's a great connection like the convulsing of it and like considering gotham as a body on a large scale circulation systems mm-hmm. convulsing death threat. okay nice nice one boy the next page at least in the edition i have it's it's more fill in art but it's by somebody different mm-hmm. and it's kind of jarring just because it is so different it's jarring but i like it yeah, it's not like the the faces are grotesque in in almost like a Kyle Hotz or a yeah. uh, Kelly Jones sort of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't dislike it. Well, I dislike um, Tim's costume here. <laughs> that's kind of that's universal, <laughs> right? Man, in twenty years, we're gonna like people will look back and be like, oh yeah, there was that year period where Tim had that crazy bird costume. <laughs> But there's going to be people who are like, oh, remember that awesome bird costume? <laughs> yeah, you're Tim right. Had? You you're know, right. like like kids who pick this up first, this is going to be their touchstone. I don't I care about it. those X-Men costumes you love so much. Joe. I do love the 90s X-Men costumes. <laughs> they lasted more than just a year. Uh, I do love, I think, I don't like the bird wings of it, but I do love, I think, I think Red Robin's first appearance as the iconic costume that we know it to be was in Kingdom Come. I oh, wow. Think. Oh. I think the first Red Robin is was drawn in Kingdom Come. Could be wrong, um, but it sense. and it's the costume that Tim had as Red Robin in the run. Red Robin that was happening uh, at the same time as Batman and Robin was coming out during this volume. He adopts that costume. 
But in this costume, you can see on his chest, actually, I don't know what the fill-in art, but uh, he's got his yellow bandoliers that meet in the middle and have the iconic Red Robin logo, which is kind of this... I like Red Robin's costume, not the New 52 version, but the one that Alex Ross made that has, I think, showed yeah. up post-New 52. Yeah, in Kingdom Come? Yeah. Because that Red Robin costume, it had a... It was... Black Hood. I don't know. Yeah, it had, a, it had this cool helmet, and it was more... It was. It was a more sleek design. Yeah. This this one to me, it kind of looks like a junior Hawkman yeah, costume. Totally. <laughs> and I won't talk at length about how much I love Tim Drake's original costume with the short leaf shirt. It's the best, oh, it's the best yeah. Robin costume there's ever been. A Brian um, Boland. Is that a Boland design? No, but the, the cover of the, the very first, first Tim issue. Drake issue, that red background with... The, I that that cover does something inside of me <laughs> i don't want to talk about well, exactly what but something that's what brian does something Mullen. to my circulation if you know what i mean okay so we get a shot of bruce showing up he grabs the man bat serum punches somebody in the face and then dives out this window um is him diving out the window burn him for you guys because there's this scene of him sort of like falling it's and there's so all these good bullets it, coming at yeah. the camera okay yeah that's yeah. Yeah, the one same one i've got yeah, I was I worked hard. I was like, "Are those smoke bombs? Are those pellets? What are those?" And I was like, "Oh no, I bet that they're shooting down out of the window at Batman." And then it made me think: like, does falling at maximum velocity decrease the amount of damage that a bullet could do to you if it's going in that same direction? Because, so, like, you're you're reducing the maximum velocity of a bullet by matching at least a small portion of it. I think it would just take longer to enter your body and probably suck a little bit more. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, you're right, though. When I first glimpsed that page, um, I thought, I was like, why is Batman throwing, like, smoke pellets or something uh, yeah. in front of him? It's like, oh, no, there's little there's little gunfire burst high up in the distance from those windows. And then I love the inset panel of just the red-circled Batarang gun shooting yeah. with the wire doing its classic Batman thing. Like it's just that is another beautiful page. I would love to own that page. Oh, God. that's just like a classic so Batman page. I want to see his pencil lines where he's working out the the trajectory and the vanishing point on that page. Okay. Yeah, I need to get the the page I bought framed before we finish this thing so I can put it oh. as like the image for the podcast or show all the listeners that show up for the final episode. Roman, you were just going to say yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. Oh, just uh, I think I've, I've always thought this is a cool little note, wasn't it? Um, uh, uh, Django, correct me if I'm wrong. Was it Todd McFarlane that in kind of was the first artist to start doing that kind of the slack slack rope becoming taut? And didn't he do it in either Batman or Spider-Man? Because I don't remember it, that ever showing up before McFarlane. Did oh, McFarlane like, do Batman? He did a little bit of year yeah. two. Okay. Yeah, and I think he did some oh, covers. Oh, the cover, cover the cover, red he cover. He did like yeah. two out of three or, th or three out of four covers and maybe one or two issues of that. Gosh. Um, I, I would believe that, Roman. Like the, he, He's definitely famous for his Spider-Man webs. Yeah. Like the, the spaghetti noodle webs. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I feel like before that, when somebody showed a close up of like Batman shooting his back gun, it was just a straight line that comes out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we we skipped over the pages of uh, Ranger and Knight. Yeah, following following the P trail. 
and Django, you mentioned the P trail, which we <laughs> talked about last episode when you were not here. And uh, Roman and I dug the P trail. I love I think, it. I love the I idea of him intent- not being unconscious and just kind of pissing a little bit every okay. once in a while. So you think he was doing it to, okay, good. 100%. And it's <laughs> like, that is, that's gotta be like, I don't know. It's, it's one of those moments where you're like, well, I got to get him to find me. I'm tied up. I don't have Do you- any, I don't have any bread to drop. So here's a story about young Jeff. I went to Walmart with my parents when I was like 10. And I remember standing in the VHS video section and looking at these animated cartoon mask VHS tapes. I was like, well, I love the movie, The Mask. Like they made a cartoon. I wonder if that's good. And then for whatever, my next thought was, could I pee my pants on purpose? (laughs) And like, could I do that? Because like, it's hard to like make yourself pee not above a toilet. And I tried to see if I could, and I did pee my pants in Walmart. <laughs> like, which is the weirdest shit that a 10 year old would ever choose to see. Can I do this? Can I publicly pee my pants? Dude. And it's tied into this run. So I've never shared that story. <laughs> I love it. it. Like for you, that makes total sense to me. Like as, as a 10 year old, 10 year olds, are still kind of learning cause and effect and like the fallout of their actions. Right. And so you don't necessarily think oh, it's going to be really uncomfortable and embarrassing. But for, for um, Jason, I love the idea of just his, like in order to do that, he's got to have a mental list of all of his, resources at any given moment and to include a full bladder in your list of resources in that moment is really impressive to me <laughs> like more more impressive than jason Bourne grabbing a, a fire extinguisher off the wall and hitting somebody with it jango it's because it's a hop skipping away from being a, like a, a u- utilized strategic fart you know, like yeah. it is, it is almost somebody using a fart as a combative advantage. So I, I'm not at all surprised that you can actually uh, distill the beauty of that strategy to us. I was, I was planning on uh, doing exactly that yesterday, but comics didn't come in. Uh, the, that, that page did actually confuse me a little bit. And I, I'm guessing that it's, be, it's supposed to, we don't know who that is, who the hood is, right? Well, we know who the hood is but we know that he's been a double double agent and we don't know who he's working for. Cause like he was supposed to die in that one issue and then didn't die. Mm-hmm. He's kind of, we've known that he is working for spiral above anything else. At the, at the end of the page, Jason says, as much as I'd rather not admit it, he's right. He being the hood, right? I just realized who this is and what's actually going on here. Yeah. We should listen mm-hmm. to this woman who, who yeah. is the he that he's talking about in that second part. He's talking about the hood. We or need to. This is. And the panel right before that, my Burnham final page has incorrectly designated text balloons. Mine has oh. Jason Todd saying, I'm a spy and I know how it looks, but you don't get it either. <laughs> We're all on the same side. Go on, ask the headmistress. That, those bubbles are attributed to the person tied into a chair, which okay. is supposed to be oh, going to the hood. I'm not sure what yours is. <laughs> ours, ours is. Yeah, a little bit ambiguous, but definitely, definitely the hood. The panel before that in the Burnham one, the headmistress is covering her face with her hand. Mm -hmm. And in the fill in art, she's just in shadow. Mm -hmm. And I like her covering it with her hand because that that is more of a she's obscuring herself from us. Like that, that's a more purposeful hide. Right. It's just that 
the costumes of all the girls are obviously a reference to who that person is. Mm -hmm. And they laid it out for us in issue four of the original run, you know, of Batman Inc. Okay, so we we know that it is her. We should, I mean, I don't know when my original ignorant, not Batman continuity informed, you know, I've always loved when Ryan refers to his bat IQ because that is literally what this is called, (laughs) BIQ, but my BIQ was much lower, my original run. And then I didn't catch that, but I think that it's safe to assume on, especially on a reread, like they've laid all the bread trails out for us to know that that's Kathy Kane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, the, uh, yeah. Okay. I, I thought that, I thought there might be a twist coming because they're treating it like a mystery. Right. And maybe I'm just, maybe we're just so smart, Jeff. Well, I mean, I don't know how much of it I need to accredit to, hindsight like th- that i now mm-hmm. know the end because i don't think i knew it originally i'm curious how like maybe roman would have felt on his original read of this yeah saying i don't remember if yeah. i had figured it out by then or not what i'm wondering is how come jason todd how come he doesn't realize it until right at the end of this page because she's been standing in front of him for a couple <laughs> issues now With just her hand over his <laughs> yeah <face. laughs> and, he, and, and admittedly he never knew kathy kane because that was before his time and then he was dead yeah and we but, didn't we didn't mention that we do i do love that they retcon that when talia resurrected jason todd which is a retcon from the like the lost days of red hood which came out when mm-hmm. i was a junior in college sophomore in college um and they retcon that she's placed a tracking thing and is too or like a, you know and i like that as a side but but yeah you're right it's it is a it's a weirdly you know, I would assume Jason Todd would know. I would assume. Yeah, even if he doesn't know who Kathy Kane is or doesn't, wouldn't. I mean, he's been trained by Batman. He, yeah. Batman must have made him read all of his Bat files about Kathy Kane. And and plus, like you said, all of her hench people are dressed in Batwoman costumes. Right. <laughs> I, I also really like that we got one issue of Mourning, which is the previous issue. And then that we had Batman Mourning Damien's Loss. We also had just a couple panels of squire mourning the loss of night and i love that fluidly squire has become night she's got the costume she's recruited night ranger and i just i love the deference for the like the lineage of a superhero that is paid here it's just that like mm-hmm. we don't need to mourn it like n- the night we knew was the squire to the night of his father that died and it's just this line that's gone down and she is now night she's got the dope ass costume and she's just doing the thing and i like that we didn't spend seven issues figuring that out or being sad it's just that this is what you do when you're the sidekick you step up when the the hero is gone and that's really good the scene in the like the the suite of talia sweet talking to fatherless is is very interesting to me especially his like body language i assume that you i I assume those are burn-on pages for you all as well because i think that that's i I remember seeing those but i don't know that doesn't don't they don't know. nope never mind they're not yeah that's they're what i got that, wow that, that's that's not a burnham face they were just falling behind this is crazy because <laughs> my thoughts were just like man he draws the shit out of an interior of a room every mm-hmm. he's got like in the top panel for the issues fatherless and mo- like mom are kind of small walking around but in the burnham pages it's a well-lived-in room. There's a whole shelf of wine bottles that all have different labels. You can see the water reflecting off of the window, the fireplace that's this giant 
ornate square fireplace in the middle of a room, the <laughs> Leviathan symbols hanging on the wall. On the second panel in the fill-in art, Fatherless is hunched over, I think, just so he fits in the panel due to poor planning. <laughs> it's like there's no reason yeah. for him to be standing like that. <laughs> yeah. I'll uh, send you guys my pages and you guys Stupid. can take a look at them while I'm... Yeah, I'm really curious because, yeah, the fill-in art, the room they're walking through is just your basic room. There's there's like a bowl of fruit and a <laughs> leviathan wall hanging. Just, that, those are the only details. <laughs> just the bottles of wine and the burnum, the, the giant cyclical light. Um, and I transferred the next page to you, which apparently is cover or fill in art as well. I mean, like, yeah, it's it's sad that Burnham didn't get to draw the full issue when it came out. I, I'm still sad about that. I think this the one of the main legacy sufferings of Batman Inc. is that in this final half of the of the final volume, uh, there's as many fill in pages as there are. But um, what I do love is the continuity of the bleeding fatherless eyes. They've made sure to show that, like the weak point of fatherless throughout all of this. Um, his body language is really interesting. It is that of a giant toddler. Like it's a giant child and like the way that his arms swing open. He's Damien. He yeah, exactly. Wow. But he's even a less evolved Damien because I think he was, he was forced to be born in Batman The Return. Right. which is after Damon even showed up. So he's been an accelerated growth, but I, that means his mental, his personal skills, his reasoning is all much more childish than Damien's. But I can't wait till we get that fucking helmet off and see what's going on with that busted eye underneath. Wow. Yeah. Burnham's body language for followers. It's so, I mean, there's, he even has trembly lines around followers, shoulders and arms and stuff, which you don't get in the fill in art. Yeah. It's, it's a far superior product. Um, I and I just really liked the room. I like I I could picture this penthouse that she has acquired and and is just this wonderful place to live if you're not also trying to take over the world. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the the weak spot visually still being there on Fatherless's face, his eye, and I like that too. And I also like the fact that in all this rush, you know, Fatherless Talia, nobody's like bothered to. Some servant hasn't rushed over to like clean the blood off Fatherless's visor. You almost get the impression that like Talia at the end of this night would kill Fatherless either way. Like whether mm -hmm. he makes it out or not, it's almost yeah. like you're yeah. a tool that has almost worn out its use and you can either die or I'm going to do it. Like it, there's a weird, um, the mechanical nature of her motherdom in here that is is very interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, she doesn't, why would she need a super tough servant that doesn't quite obey her yeah at every turn when she can just make another one yeah you know there's more whales to to grow things out of <laughs> for sure roman's been in a moby dick, dick book club for the last uh side note roman how like percentage wise how far into moby dick are you in that in that book club oh we have what two more sessions one of them will be discussing the end i'm going to finish it this weekend oh wow I okay. Well, let's just have a whole separate podcast where you talk about somebody who's just uh, intellectual. <laughs> I, Django, I'm not sure if you noticed, um, but the final three pages of this story are a year one reference. A year one reference. And also, I, I think that uh, the third to last page, which starts with Bruce sitting in his chair talking to his father, just like he does in year one, um, I got real strong Venom vibes hmm. from I've never Legends read it. of the Dark Knight. Never like read the, it. the first appearance of um, what Bane ends up using. It's like a, like a drug that super hypes you up. And I had forgotten about the Kirk Langstrom 
bit. So I, I didn't realize that Batman was injecting himself with Kirk's serum. I thought he was injecting himself with venom and that's yeah. why he got all that, ragey. That's actually what I thought too, that, Oh, he's using venom. Wow. Yeah. Your observation of how he spends this whole issue assembling his costume um, changed my read on a lot of this. Um, did that venom storyline happen before Bane was even ever created? Way before. That's super. Way before, actually, like probably I, two or three years before. I misunderstood it. I thought that was a retcon of them incorporating the Bane drug into the history of Batman. But that's that's very cool. I didn't realize that Bane is the byproduct of that. Man, Django, you and Legends of the Dark Knight. That's like your sister Batman series. Like as much as you love the Frank Miller stuff, that one clearly makes sense that the first day that you went into a comic shop you and your brother got indiana jones and the first issue of legends of the dark knight so shadow sorry not indiana i knew that i knew that it's the purple <laughs> shadow cover sorry i just the first thing you collect was indiana jones my bad i i knew that listen don't take my django history credit so you, away from me you you've heard me tell that story probably two dozen times at this point <laughs> yeah i dig it but yeah this final three pages is a cool monologue and batman I love in the bottom page, the bottom of the center of the first final three pages. He looks almost like Ra's al Ghul, except for with eyebrows, as Chris pointed out last episode. <laughs> Ra's al Ghul is drawn without eyebrows forever. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's an interesting, powerful scene that I didn't understand the history of the Suit of Sorrows, who Azrael was in this, that the Suit of Sorrows makes you immune to being hurt. Like, all of that was lost on me in my original run. So I think that the elegance of his solution to getting up there and fighting Talia just felt a little on the surface to me because I actually didn't appreciate the nuance of it. Mm -hmm. I love yeah. the, the smoke panel, like the silhouette of Bruce and all the bats as he transforms. Yeah. it's And then like on the, on the next page, um, the safe still being in the water. Oh. Yeah, so good. <laughs> that just drives home the you know the continuity of these thirty six hours. I love mm -hmm. that stood out to me as well. The safe is open at the bottom of this pool, and it just shows us the same storm is still raging. You know, the same rain is still following uh, Batman, and, and this you know the same uh, this big storm. What's the name for a big storm, Roman? Moby Dick. Um, Squall. Tsunami. Uh, not, neither of those but squall is good um but the this this crazy cyclone thing is, is still raining down oh, on Gotham. oh you mean a typhoon no i no, all no. of those are right that's, all of those that's are right. bigger I, just, I was just holding on to a dumb dumb word um i the what the safe does for me is maelstrom makes me oh, ah, i like that yeah the safe makes me think uh like draw some parallels between chris burnham's art in this and watchmen where like if something is there in a panel in issue four, when you revisit that room, it's there still. Like if, if Chris Burnham were to draw that uh, apartment 10 years later, you would know which bottles of wine had been drank, which bottles were being saved. You would know, like there, there, there wouldn't be the same knife because he would know in his head that a knife had broken and they'd had to replace this one knife in the knife block. And Tangent tangent for our future watchman book so if this if this gets you honked uh do it but as i was reading rorschach this most recent week i was excited to talk to you about this that jorge fornes one of my favorite working artists was drawing this book and it's so stylized mm -hmm. even like it's like that mazzuccelli stylized but it, it's still very kind of basic and on the surface and you can understand it. but anyway it's stylized and what i was realizing was that 
if Watchmen had been drawn with that art, it like wouldn't work. Like I, I feel mm-hmm. like Watchmen can't have style in it. Like Dave Gibbons is yeah. amazing, but he almost is like the antithesis of style. He is like the purely analytical artist. Super like, straightforward. Exactly. It's like it's like there's no room for like Burnham or Frazier or like there's no room for you to embellish a moment because everything needs to be perfect. Um, it just struck me as like Dave Gibbons, there there could not have been a different artist for that book. It's the perfect thing. Anyway, I just, um, it's interesting you mentioned that. I've, I've been thinking a lot about Dave Gibbons as a not incredibly flashy artist and maybe the most gifted, perfect artist at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And then he shall become a bat at the very end. And he's just like raining down hell and rain on people. That's a gross final page. That's an awesome final page. He just looks like wrecked on heroin. <laughs> is he mad? Is he hurt? Is he does he is he even gonna remember this? Is Bruce uh, gonna wake up from like this fugue state? having murdered talia that's true i like, like that read yeah blood all of the over above. himself in a, in a man bat hangover <laughs> took too many bath salts and i ate my baby <laughs> all of the above and he'll be now addicted to the to the man bat so i'm just like kirk days he'll be like ah i get kirk now okay <laughs> i gotta do thogol again again <laughs> i i question I question the efficacy of any suit where your hand is not the actual hand, right? Like he's in this suit, but the hands end right where the wrist is. And there's a mechanized hand after that. I've always questioned an ability for your brain to like immediately negotiate the difference of the seven inches of where your hand would be at that point. You know, Um, I love the way it looks. I love the concept. I've seen some cosplayers who do that when they're like, they're on stilts and they have extra long arms with, like strings to pull their hands. Um, I wouldn't trust them to hold my drink, but I'll look at them all day long. Or like mechan- Gundams or mobile suits. I'm always like, yeah. I just don't feel like you would know exactly where your hand is. But uh, you know what? It <laughs> yeah, sure looks yeah. fucking cool. That's our next podcast is an episode by episode rewatch of Gundam Wing. Nope, sorry. That was just a joke that maybe a listener will get. Um, <laughs> and then we end on that, him diving down there. Uh which is just off. You know what I would really love is to collect this whole issue, but to have the variants of all of them. Um, oh yeah. Because my collection shows all the B covers as well. And there are some gorgeous ones. This uh, issue 11 as a Guillaume March cover, which is wow. an artist who has like kind of risen to, risen to prominence in the last year, but he's, yeah, he's doing uh, the Joker series coming up artist. I've always loved. And uh, anyway, um, well, if you did that, Jeff, not only would you have the fill-in art, but you would also know that that is not the end of this comic book issue. There oh. is a two-page ambush bug as a newscaster spread after that awesome Batman picture. You know, I had all of these issues because I bought them all as issues. I probably still have a portion still in of a them. box upstairs you know at the shop. No, I think it's actually the box that, oh, maybe, or it's the box, one of the two boxes that got stolen from my car. Um, oh, dang. But, uh Man, I want to read that ambush book. I mean, because I have the issues, all the issues too somewhere, but I don't know where. They might not even be in this county. Polsbo. Gosh, yeah. I mean, that's that's the end of this one, you guys. Uh, I've really appreciated that we've, you know, 
the intellectual navel gazing of the first half of the Batman run by Morrison is, is of the past. And now it's the adrenaline filled race to the finish line. Like we're in the, the birthing canal of a, you know, and now all there is left is to have this fetus grabbed from the womb. And that's a weird metaphor. I got lost in it, but anyway, we're, you know, like the way yeah, exactly. You're right. Thank you for saving me. It's crowning from the belly button of the whale. It's crowning, <laughs> but a good end. And I just, uh, I can't wait to read these last two issues with everybody. Uh, so we're skipping the Burnham issue. Well, yeah, in my omnibus, it's collected after the end of the series. And it's just kind of this special thing. And I, I you know what? I bet we'll read it a month. Like, I bet we'll read it a month after this thing finishes. I think we'll probably drop some random things into this Batman and quarantine feed um, as time goes on. Like I want to do the Grant Morrison talking with God's documentary. I want to do battle for the cowl. I want to do this Burnham issue. Gothic is a great idea. We could totally do a Gothic, you know, episode or even just a five episode thing. So anyway, we we've got enough wonderful listeners who love to contribute at this part that at this point that I would, I would feel bad. Uh, having the feed die in two weeks. So <laughs> got to keep this baby alive. I was going to do just a podcast about fart noises. So oh. we could do a crossover <laughs> if you want. Yeah. I trying to think of the most fart laden Batman issue. There's got to be one, right? <laughs> we should have some kind of live uh, video podcast where we hunt each other through Bellingham trying to just track our pre p trails oh wow okay that went in a different spot that's a different <laughs> different direction than i thought it was going to um gosh well the student has become the master he sure has <laughs> the next issue is just called fatherless i'm excited to read that dang this one was called gotham's most wanted all right everybody well hey no emails this week but we are nearing the end i'd love to hear from everybody if you've got an email or a voicemail record it write it out send it to batman in quarantine uh at gmail.com we had a couple last week that's awesome but yeah you know the uh the chris's and the kevin's you know the connor's the the nathan's the andrews the wills of the world if you're listening to this and you're interested in uh contributing to a I'll sort of in judd can't forget judd i hope oh, he's yeah. doing well we haven't heard from him in a minute um, if you're interested in contributing to the a sort of final retrospective look at this whole thing, we would love to have as many voices as there are interested. So um, let me know, batmanandquarantine at gmail.com. Shoot that or jeff at thecommonsplace.com. Emails will get to me either way. But until next week, you know, I, I suppose I'm, I'm Jeff. I'm Django. I'm Roman. Now, Django, do you have an esoteric asinine question? To oh, wait, no, sorry. <laughs> that's, a, that's a different podcast that we do. <laughs> I, did, I did think of one, but... Uh... You're going to have to tune into the Perfectly Acceptable podcast to get your Batman in quarantine question. Oh, nice. All right. So everyone, that'll be like episode 215 or 216 of the Papcast. So tune into that to get your, uh, this is like, don't forget to drink your Ovaltine. Tune into that podcast to get your question for this podcast for next week. Um, but as always, I'm Jeff and we're yeah just super grateful you're here. Super grateful there's a community around this. Uh, we adore all of you. I would love to hear and see some of you when we end this whole thing. And uh, yeah, just enjoying the final race towards the end. So we'll see you all next week for the penultimate issue. Oh, God. Whoa. <laughs> penultimate. Um, all right, everybody. We'll see you next week.